Good morning, everybody. Glad you could make it out. Hello, everybody at home, and hey, let's pray. Father, this has been a, a tough week, and uh, just right off the bat, I just want to pray for the Gordons this morning that your, your Holy Spirit would comfort them and fill them with your your truth in the midst of such agony. And Lord, we, we know of the hope of your salvation, and we will stand upon that, and we will remember that. But just uh, this morning, just we just lift them up together and ask that you would be with them. Lord, we, we miss Robert. We love him. And we want to thank you for what a blessing he's been to this body. And Lord, um, but we who are here alive and, and, and remain, Lord, we anticipate that day when you're going to shout. And this will all be taken care of. But until that day, we trust in you. We stand on your word. And we pray for this family now. And we lift up our service. We ask that we continue in the word, that we would live godly lives, that we would live lives it would honor you in the midst of such adversity. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So glad you can make it out this morning. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This morning we're going to be concluding uh, our series on the command of the Lord Jesus to stand in the day of evil. To stand in the day of evil. Particularly, we've been focusing over the past several weeks on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We'll be concluding that this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And our, our focus this morning, verse 18, in praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, and to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's a mouthful, isn't it? That's why we've kind of been picking it apart over the last couple of weeks, because we are to call to make a stand in this evil day, in this evil generation, and Paul lays out, how we are to do that in the strength and the might of the Lord. You know, the book of Ephesians, it is really important as believers. I would say it's a foundational book as a believer to really understand the book of Ephesians. If you haven't done it yet, I would encourage you to read through it and ask questions and get a really good grasp of the book of Ephesians. We're just reading the end of it. But Paul has said a lot leading up to this point where we make our stand. But it's important to get this overall grasp because this book encompasses so much of what we need as believers in order to live God-glorifying lives in an evil world. Our ability to stand 
The call that we're called to stand in the end of Ephesians is all based upon what he's already told us. And so our stand, our ability to stand begins with, with our understanding of our position in Christ, what Christ has done for us, the position of the believer. And that starts out in chapter one, verse three, where he says he has blessed us. God has blessed us in Christ Jesus, basically, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. As a believer, if you've received Christ as your savior, you believe in the gospel, guess what? You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, in heavenly places. Our position is in Christ. In him, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And Paul begins to unfold those spiritual blessings in the first several chapters. And and he says that, hey, by the way, you've been chosen by God. You've been predestined to adoption. You've been redeemed. You've been forgiven. You've been given the plan. You've been given an inheritance. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And Paul just goes on and on and on about all that you are in Christ, all that God has done on your behalf, who you are in Christ. Your position is in Christ is that you are seated with him in the heavenlies, and from that all blessings flow, spiritual blessings. And so Paul begins in the heavenlies. And then he shifts to our walk in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, because basically of, of, of your position in Christ, this is now how you walk out your life in a world that is so dark and so evil. And, and as you are a child of the light, a son and daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this is now how you are to walk accordingly. It's going to be against the flow. It's going to be like light and darkness. It's going to be like salt in the earth. It's not going to be light. It says in other places, but he moves in chapter four and he says there, this is how you're to walk. I therefore, verse one of chapter four, I therefore as a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you've been called. Walk worthy to all that God has done for you, who you are in Christ Jesus. Now live it out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work it in, work it out. Live it. And this is the struggle we're in. Sanctification, right? But our position leads to our practice. And as this walk is in contrast to the old life, it's uh, our old, in our old life, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And it was shown by how we were uh, living out our lives. We were spiritually dead and it came out in spiritually dead acts. We were following the flesh. We were following sinful desires. We were given over to temptation left and right. That's just how we lived. But see, when God's grace came into our lives and we were made alive in Christ Jesus, we were given a new nature. And now we follow Christ. We now follow those good works prepared for us. We walk in those good works prepared for us uh, by the found, before the foundation of the world. And Paul spends the next two chapters talking about what that looks like. What does it look like to be a Christian? You know, so often we focus on, hey, uh, you got to do this and that and this and that. And no one talks about why. Because you're new in Christ, if you are new. Otherwise, it's just religion. But see, when Christ is in you, these things are worked out as a result of abiding in him and that love relationship. And I see it in so many of you. So Paul spends the next two chapters reminding us of Ephesians, the Ephesians basically, what it looks like 
in our attitudes, in our relationships. And so talks about our attitudes. He talks about our submission to one another and, and how that looks and, and loving one another. All these types of things that are, are, are uniquely Christian. And so then in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, Paul brings us back up to the heavenlies that just as the nature of our blessings in Christ are spiritual, so is our adversary. Just as those blessings are incredibly powerful and wonderful and deep and rich, guess what? So our enemy is incredibly powerful and strong and oppressive. And so Paul ends his letter and says, in effect, in this life, you must stand against the devil. You must take a stand against his his schemes. You've got to stand against the flesh, against, against sin, or you are going to be consumed and rolled over by the darkness. It is too powerful. You must stand, but you cannot do it in your own strength. And this is what we keep coming back to and reminding you every week. And you must continue to walk in victory in the power of his might, in his strength, in his power, who's seated above all principality, above all power, above the enemy. He's stronger, bigger, badder, awesome, our God. Amen. Badder in the best sense of the word. Probably should have eliminated that. You know what I'm talking about. And we and you are seated in him. Isn't that awesome? And so we're to continue to, in order to continue to walk this life, we've got to take a stand, church. And that's not the stand of the world. It's the stand of Christ. It's a spiritual stand. Our victory over our powerful enemy is that we are in Christ Jesus and he is our strength in every sense of the word. And so Paul says in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, to continually stand firm. So we're not only seated in Christ, we not only walk in Christ, but we stand in Christ. It's all in Christ, church. We do this by putting on the full armor of God, which is really putting on Christ. I mean, he already put all the things on us. We need to appropriate it in our, in our lives. Put it on. All that he's given to us. And so by quick review, we are to put on the belt of truth. This means that we are people of the truth. We are committed to the truth of God. That's who we are. The enemy works in lies. We work in truth. And we gird it around us. It is everything that, uh, that ties up our life is the truth of the Lord. It is like light to darkness. We are bound to the light. We're committed to the truth. And we put on the breastplate of righteousness, right? That means that we live according to the truth. And this guards and protects our hearts. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, meaning that we are ready when the battle wages because of the gospel to stand on the gospel of peace. The fact that you have peace with God, that he is your defender. Through Jesus Christ, you are no longer at war with God. You are on his side. He is your defender. He is your strong tower. He is your mighty fortress. You stand upon 
him and his finished work on the cross. We've heard to pick up the, the shield of faith, meaning when the enemy bombards us with temptation and the uh, lies in, in an attempt to get us to doubt God, to get us to doubt his promises, to get us to doubt his provision, to get us to doubt his word. That's what temptation does. It, 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 the idea is to get you to go to the, uh, another source instead of to him for everything. He tries to do that. He tries to allure to your fallen nature. What do we do? We put up the shield of faith. We trust in God. We trust in the Lord. We trust in his provision, in his, uh, you know, in his providence and all those other wonderful things that he has for us. We trust in his word. And we're to pick up the helmet of salvation. What does this mean, everybody? When you pick up the helmet of salvation, it's protecting your mind, your thinking, how you think. In other words, we, it's not the past it's not the present salvation. It is the future hope of salvation that Jesus Christ is going to come back and make things right. He's coming back. This will end in his glorious reign. We pick up the helmet of salvation. We keep our eye on the prize lest we become discouraged. Amen. 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 Hello. And we're to pick up the sword of the Spirit. This is the word of God. It clearly says there. This is not some weird thing. This is the word of God. And the word of God is both a, a, an offensive and a defensive weapon. We're to be men and women who are skilled in the word of God. We know how to rightly use it because we've been around it. It's what we feed on. It's, it's, it's our life. And as we ingest the word of God, God assimilates it into our life and we're given discernment, discernment of the spirit. As we mature, discerning good and evil, we rightly divide the word of truth and when the enemy comes with his lies or whatever it might be, we're able to defend like Jesus did in his temptation and then also it's an offensive weapon and then we use the word of God to tear down strongholds of the enemy. We have given mighty weapons in Christ Jesus and so we are to pick up and wield the word of God with precision, to train with it. Amen? And so Paul paints this picture of a soldier who's fully prepared to take a stand. Fully prepared to take a stand. And the physical image there is to help us understand this, the spiritual reality that we wage war in a spiritual realm that surrounds us. And it is in the Lord, in his power, in his strength, in his armor, in Christ that we take our stand. In truth, by living according to that truth, by standing on the gospel, by trusting God, by anticipating his salvation, by being men and women who handle the word of God correctly, and verse 18, our verse today, through prayer. Amen? And this is, yeah, amen. Oscar. Puts all you to shame. He's ready. He's armed. <laughs> Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Our stand against the devil and his schemes, in our, in our stand, we must pray. We must pray. And Paul tells, tells us about how we're to pray and we're to take our stand in the days of evil. If you notice verse 18, he uses the word all a bunch. 
He says to pray at all times with all prayer, with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. And so that all kind of just defines what Paul is thinking there. Paul tells us how we're to pray. He tells us how, he basically tells us how often we're to pray, what kind of prayers we're to pray, who we're to pray for. And if you keep reading, Paul says, and by the way, add me into that. Pray for me, Paul says. And that's a very simple way of looking at this, but this is how Paul breaks it down. And so as we look at verse 18, how often are we to pray as we live lives that take a stand in the day of evil? How often are you supposed to pray? Paul tells us at the beginning, we're to pray at what? All times. How many of you are praying for me right now? Lord, help this guy. <laughs> Arthur is. <laughs> Amen. That's what it was. I know it. But we're to pray at all times. What does that mean? Well, it means all times. But just like a soldier is in constant communication with his commanding officer in a battle, we are to be constantly in connection with our Lord. And I say we are to be, but really it's the privilege of being able to be in the communication with the God of the universe right now. I love that. Hebrews 4.16, you know it. Basically, it says because of who Jesus is, the high priest and all the richness of that, he says, because of that, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's a lot there, but the idea behind it is that we have access to God right now, the throne of grace, through Jesus Christ. You just don't approach God apart from Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Through him, you have direct access to the Father who is listening right now. He hears. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And we get glimpses in, as into why. Perhaps spiritual for, uh, warfare. You look in the book of Daniel, and Daniel was praying. And then all of a sudden his prayer gets answered from an angel like a bazillion days later. And the angel reveals, he says, hey, listen. The moment you prayed, the Lord heard in heaven and dispatched me. But then I had this warfare situation to get to you. And I don't understand all that. But it tells me that the Lord directly hears us. Sometimes there's a little delay in the, in, in the answer, and I think that is because of the warfare that we are experiencing. We're talking about here, and so we are to persevere in prayer. So we draw with confidence. We're to pray always. We're, we're to come to him because of this grace. In every circumstance that you face, doesn't have to be heavy. You are in communication with your Lord. And by the way, this is not limited to prayer meetings. This is not limited to your Bible study. This is not limited to those things. Yes, those things are included. They aren't excluded from that. And we set those up as opportunities for us to gather together uh, as the body of Christ to pray together. Those are awesome. But I mean, prayer is a life, just like worship is a life. It isn't we worship when the guitar gets strummed. We are worshipers. We are people who are in constant communication with your Lord, with our God. Amen? Amen? Yes. I'm sorry, you, you were probably busy praying, right? 
<laughs> but that's what we need in this battle, is constant communication with the Lord. Constant communication with the Lord about everything. When you see someone in need, start praying. When you see someone who needs help, start praying. When you see something that is evil and grieves your soul, start praying. When you're tempted, start praying. All of these things, constant communication with the Lord in all circumstances. When you're happy, when you see a beautiful sunset, pray, praise, worship, thankfulness. These are the things that flow from the life of a, of a believer. Quite often when I'm meeting with some of you, as you're talking, I'm praying for you. Sorry about that. I'm preoccupied for praying with you, but you know, I can see maybe you're struggling or you have trouble communicating something. I'm just saying, Lord, help them in, in, in their soul and, and, and minister to them or whatever it is in the moment, praying for one another. Perhaps you've been around believers who have, are in constantly prayer with the Lord and you know it because they accidentally call you Lord. Anybody had that before? Not many, yes. No, I, I've had it. And people go, hey, Lord, I, I mean, Matt. And I'm like, Yes, what was that again? No, but what has happened is they're always just talking to their father. They're just talking to him. And all of a sudden, I interrupted their world. It's so sweet, the fellowship they're having with him. But you see, they've been praying all the time in all circumstances. You know, people think, oh, you know, don't pray for a parking space. I mean, just talk to the Lord about everything. He'll work out all the details. Talk to him about everything, your finances, your decisions, everything. Should I do this? Should I do that? Lord, if you will, God bless this, help, and he will give you wisdom. We're to pray at all times. There's verses all over the place of this, not in Ephesians. I'm going to rattle off some if you're taking notes, but Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to prayer, right? They were people who were devoted to prayer and, of course, to the word and to the uh, you know, to uh, fellowship and to uh, communion. But they were devoted. And so there's this devotion. Romans 12, 11 through 12 says, don't be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Uh, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. That's Romans 12, 11 through 12. How about Philippians 4, 6? You know this one, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4.2, continually, uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful uh, in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in some circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There are so many verses that speak about this blessing we have of praying always. One of my favorite and perhaps the most convicting, and if you have a second flip over there, Luke 18, Luke 18 verses 1 through 8. I'm just going to read it for you. Luke 18, 1 through 8. I love this first verse. And he told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and what? And not lose heart. How many of you have lost heart? Well, he told, he told his disciples this parable. Things can get pretty discouraging. Sometimes we lose heart. Sometimes we stop praying. We feel like the Lord hasn't answered us. 
And we don't want to pray always because he ain't listening. That's not true. And he told them a parable in effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. Verse 2, and he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat down, uh, uh, beat me down by her continually coming. Like just, she, he wants, he's an evil judge and he doesn't care about her, but because she's continually asking, he wants to get rid of her. Right? This is Jesus' parable, right? And so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer her. I'm going to take care of her request. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. If that's an unjust just judge and he's your father, do you think he's going to deny you? It might seem like it's a while, but he is attentive to your prayer. Don't stop praying. Pray in all circumstances. Continue in prayer. And then Jesus closes with these, this heart stab of a words here. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Are you going to be praying when he returns? Are you going to continue in prayer? when he returns and sets all things right? Or are you going to walk away? See, faith is exemplified in continual prayer and perseverance. Amen? All kinds of circumstances we face, we pray. Prayerlessness is faithlessness. May the Lord find us in continual prayer when we stand, as we stand in the day of evil. Amen? God's will is that we would constantly be mindful and in communication with him. And we'll find great power and blessing in praying always. But not only are we to pray at all times, we're to pray in the Spirit. We're to pray in the Spirit. Now, this does not mean praying in tongues. That's, that's not what it means. Uh, but as someone who believes that the gifts of the Spirit are operational, I don't think it excludes praying in tongues. But what it does mean is that we pray according to the Spirit. We pray in step with the Spirit according to the will of God. And that's the idea is that we're praying according to the will of God. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. And in Matthew's account in uh, verse 6, verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, we know the verse, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. May it be done here as you do it there. We're in a battle. And, we're, and what this is, is, is the goal of prayer is that our Father would be glorified, that his will would be accomplished in my life and in this world. He would, bring, he would be glorified. Amen? Amen. Yeah, there we go. Being led by the Spirit is being filled with the Spirit. Well, uh, let me let me just a bunch of phrases. How many, being led by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. All these kind of terms. 
they all kind of give the picture of being in step, in keeping with the will and the character of God. Now, there's nuances in each of those, but the idea is that the heart behind it is that we're in step with him. We are praying according to his will. We see this in John chapter 15. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish. And that's awesome. I love this. And it will be done for you. Well, what does that mean? Pray what you want and God will answer it? No. Pray according to the word that has been in you. Pray according to his will. Pray in the spirit, according to the spirit. And I will do it for you because guess what God wants to accomplish? His will. Through you. And he goes on to say, the proof that you're my disciple is that you're going to pray that way. And you're going to bear fruit accordingly. Because you're a good tree, bearing good fruit. Because my will is going to come out in and through you and around you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciple. So believers, we pray at all times and we pray in the spirit. And I'm just going to go through these rather quickly. There's so much depth we have here. But then Paul tells us not only to pray at all times and pray in the spirit, but also what kinds of prayers. Look at that verse 18. Paul says to pray with all prayer and supplication. All prayer and supplication, without getting into the Greek and all that stuff, it means pray general prayers and pray specific prayers. General prayers, all kinds of prayers. The idea is you you aren't limited to liturgical prayers. You're not limited to long prayers, short prayers. You can pray all kinds of prayers. Be a person of prayer. This battle, man, sometimes it requires Lord help. And sometimes it requires for us to get in our closet and really just started getting specific on things. All the above. And so there are times when we are to pray in a broad general sense with all prayer, all kinds of prayers, right? A broad general sense. Some of them I was thinking about, I said, Lord, have mercy on our nation. We know that your word says that you delight in mercy. We deserve judgment. Be merciful. Cause us to repent and turn to you. Broad general prayers. Lord, I see people looting and rioting. Your word says to forsake wrath and it tends only towards evil, Lord. They are engaging in evil. Restrain them, forgive them, and cause them to come under control. Your control through the grace of God and Lord, of God and Lord Jesus Christ. But, Lord, we know that your word says to pray for kings. How about that? Lord, we says, your word, Lord says to pray for kings. Timothy says, for the kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And that this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desired that all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so, Father, we pray that you lead and bless our governor in this way. Broad, specific prayers according to the will of God, right? Lord, your word says that we should go into the world and preach the gospel. Pray that the gospel go through your church today. Lord, bless my family, bless my kids, keep them from evil. How many of you pray like this, broad general prayers? Yeah, according to the will of God, of course. Some of them are long, some of them are short. And obviously I'm just skimming the surface because there's so much, right? We're to pray as we face circumstances. 
or as we read the word and we see the world different than what God's will is, we pray in us and we see that the, the, our, we are different than what God's word says. We pray that God's will would happen sometimes in broad and general ways, but there's also time for specific prayer, focused prayer, where we get detailed about things. Specific problems. And so we lift up particular problems and we wield the word of God in prayer, praying for specific circumstances in sin and in suffering and in courage and doubt and sickness and planning, all these things. We pray for God's specific will. Amen? Listen to Paul pray for the church in Ephesus. I just want to give this example of a specific prayer. Listen to Paul's prayer for the church. Ephesians chapter 1. He's in there, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. Have a nice day. No, and then he kind of gives us an insight into how he's actually praying for the church. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rulers and power and authority and dominion and above every name that is not named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Then he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over things to the church, all things to the church, which is his body, uh, to the fullness of him who fills all and in all. This is how Paul is praying for the church. How many of you would like to be prayed specifically for? Yes, we need to specifically pray for one another and be willing to let people know what we need to be, have prayer about. Church, we're called to general prayer, but we're also not to neglect that specific fervent prayer. And let me say that as the word of God is in you, you're going to learn how to pray specifically for people more and more. And let me tell you, it's effective as you pray fervently according to the will of God. And so this is why Paul not only says that we're to uh, pray always and pray in the spirit and to pray general and specific prayers, but he also says to that end, what does it say at the end of verse 18 there? To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for who? For all the saints. We're to be armed to the teeth spiritually. We're to be in formation. We're to be on the front line. We're to be in communication with the Lord. But we're also just to be mindful of the soldiers next to us in this battle. We are to be very mindful of our brothers and sisters around us who are getting hit, who perhaps decided to show up uh, without their belt that day, who perhaps forgot their shield at home, they can't find their sword. They don't know. And instead of going, you should have that, you know, we pick them up. We pray for them. We encourage them and we equip them, right? We love them. 
We make supplication for all the saints. We pray for one another. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in our stand and all the things that are going on in our lives, we forget about one another. And you can't do that being in the body of Christ. We're a body. We're connected. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. One goes down, we all suffer. One's esteemed, we're all blessed. We need each other. We're called to constantly be praying for one another. And Paul uses that word supplication specifically for one another. This implies relationship. This implies getting in one another's lives, not just the broad sense of church, which is absolutely commanded and needed, but the one-on-ones and the small groups and encouraging one another, um, organized and unorganized, just the body of Christ hanging out together and getting one another's life, praying for one another. How many of you need prayer on specific things this week? You'd like someone to lay hold of those things for you and just lift them up, lift you up before God to go to bat, to put the shield of faith in front of, in front of you while you're getting all the arrows coming in on you. Yes, we all need it. And, you know, I just think about, you know, our brother, our dear brother Robert who went to the Lord, thinking about Sharon and, and Reed and Shelby, and Micah who's back there and Hannah. And, yeah, they just took a heavy blow this week. Yes, we know the reality of the gospel, but it, it hurts, and the enemy would seek to take advantage of their hearts and minds this week and fill them with doubt and all those things. I mean, the enemy's at work, and so, you know, yes, we, we need to make sure they have enough food and, and are taken care of financially and all these things through this time. We lift them up and all those things, but we also need to pray, amen? Pray, like, specifically for them in these matters. Um, love them um, through the power of the Spirit in prayer, just binding up their hearts. I mean, waking up in the morning with the loss, we, I mean, the Lord has to come in and encompass and, and, and do these things. It's, it's a work of the Spirit, and this is where we lay hold and we pray for them. Amen. The devil would not take advantage of the moment, and so we pray. That's just an example, and, and before we're done, we're going to pray for you again, Micah, you and your family, but We need to pray for one another during these times. Amen? How many of you need serious prayer this morning? Things are going on that are quite overwhelming. Absolutely. Prayerlessness. It riddles my life. You know, I think I can handle circumstances because I can organize things or do things and all that stuff. Listen, it's not the organizing of your chariots. It's not how many horses you have in the stable. It's, it's the power of God. Look at many of you when he chose you and he called you. What were you? Not many noble. Listen, God chose the foolish things to confound the wise. It's always been him. And even the most noble among us is, is nothing compared to the nobility of Christ. And, I mean, he has always been our strength, church. And this is a call in this battle 
to forsake the world's way of dealing with stuff and to stand strong in the Lord and remain steadfast in love. And it's not like you can muster the stuff. We just lean into him. We fall on him. We trust in him. He's our breath. He's our life. He's our, short, he's our, our sword. He's our shield. He's our helmet. He's our shoes. He has everything in this. And he is the one who sustains us. I was thinking of the end of Jude. Jude 1, he says in a couple of verses, and there's only one chapter in Jude. He says in verse 20, uh, But you, beloved, build yourselves up in the most holy faith, and praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Build yourselves up, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus that needs to that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with, with fear, hating even the, the garment stained by the flesh. But now to him. Wait a second. He just told you to do all this stuff. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself. Keep yourself. Continuing. There's the call of God for you to respond in faith to what he has done. But you go to the end. He says, now who is now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times, now and forevermore. Amen. It's to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. We walk by faith in him, in his strength, his power, his might. That's what the church is. We're the redeemed by his grace. It is all of him. We're nothing. And as we walk in humility, as we walk in simple trust, as we choose to walk by faith day after day, he gives us the strength for the battle we face this moment. And in that, we look to our left and we look to our right. And we know that not only is he defending us, but he's given us the strength and the call and the command to love one another in whatever circumstance we're in. And he will provide what we need to do that. Amen? So church, my hope is that you'd shield up, that you'd armor up, put on the helmet, put on the sword, put on the shoes, and that we would be a strong church, not in our politics, but in our Lord. We would be strong in faith, strong in love, strong in persevering, uh, not in our own self-bootstraps, but in just his goodness leading us and guiding us because that's what we need for the days ahead. We need the Lord Jesus. And he's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us everything we need. We just need to trust and obey. <laughs> Simply as it, trust and obey. So with that said, uh, I'd really like to close by, by praying for the Gordons. Just a practical application of supplication. We do come before your throne of grace boldly in this time of need, and we know that you answer and you will, your will will come about. So, Lord, we just, along with all this, we just, we just pray for the coming days, Lord, with the services and the viewing today and the service or the time together, uh, times together tomorrow, Lord, and just, just minister to them. And, uh, Lord, 
uh, be with them in the night, in the morning, sing over them, cause their hearts to remember the good things and not only the hardship they face now, Lord, uh, fight on their behalf, Lord. And we just want to thank you that we actually can stand on the rock of Jesus Christ in moments like these. And we trust you and we just want to thank you. And so, Lord, we, as a church, we turn to you in prayer this week. We, we trust in you and we just pray that you'd give us the appropriate heart adjustment, Lord, that we need. Line us up with your kingdom and your will, Lord. And I pray that you would filter out all the things of the enemy and the world and the hooks that have been put in us and give us great wisdom during this time. We ask that we would be able to preach your gospel with clarity and with uh, not only with uh, clarity, Father, but with uh, integrity. And so we just, uh, we ask that there be a great harvest, Lord, that would come to you in these times as this world has nothing to offer. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.